This week's podcast brought to you by Pairs of Stuff. Just this morning, we're shooting hoops in the driveway with our, uh, I was shooting hoops in the driveway with our our 10-year-old daughter. And uh, when we finished playing Around the World, she won. I said, uh, I can't play another game. Mom and I have to record a podcast. And she said, podcast? Really? People still listen to that thing? So I'm going to start this week's podcast with a question for you. If you're driving in your car and you see a lemonade stand, do you have to stop? Are you compelled to stop at the lemonade stand? When you said if you're driving in your car. Yes. I heard, you heard Bruce Springsteen. I heard the Pointer Sisters. (laughs) I'm driving in your car. Did any of you hear me? In the, turn, re- in the rest of the question? You turn on the radio. Uh, oh, absolutely. Of course, it's a moral obligation. It's a civic obligation. It's a, it's a human obligation, of course, to okay. stop at a lemonade stand. So I'm going to throw this wrinkle in because this happened to me the other day. I was driving not on our street. I was in not in our town, but driving on um, a suburban street, big lemonade stand operated by... 60-year-old woman, did not see a child in sight, have no reason to believe that there was a child involved in any part of this lemonade stand. I did not stop, but wondering if that changes things. 100%. Oh, no, 100%. It doesn't change things. It it's, doesn't. It's, I, I would say it, st- it heightens your obligation. <laughs> you even more have to stop and patronize the lemonade stand. Like I couldn't tell. I was looking to see if there was some sign out front that said it was for charity or something. I couldn't see anything. Granted, I was driving by, so I couldn't be too distracted. Not a kid in sight, not a sign that looked like it had been made by a child, just like a 60-year-old woman standing behind a table selling lemonade. I feel like a magician saying, this isn't a setup. We don't have any plants in the audience when I say this. This is the first I'm hearing of this. It is. You didn't mention this to me this week. I did not. I, uh, tell me more. <laughs> that's all That's all I know. I was driving by at probably 35 or 40 miles an hour, and I just saw it was like almost like a, a, a tailgating tent that was set up. Was, was there a hand-lettered over. sign and a childish no, script? No. I, that's a, that, I, so I just said, if, if there was, that would have that tipped me off. No. Just... A sign that said lemonade stand that looked like it was made well, by an adult with an adult standing at the table with like this glass pitcher of lemonade. It wasn't even like um, little cups. Like there was nothing with, that indicated that children were involved with, in with this an, lemonade stand. With an adult, I don't drink the lemonade. There's, I mean, God knows that that sounds like the start of a, of a horrible news story, but but I am intrigued. I have to stop and, and find out what the deal is. As long as you weren't running late somewhere, you would stop and say, all right, I'm compelled. I'm intrigued. As a journalist, I'm required yes. to know what's going on. And, and, and um, But it's a great scam if it is a scam. If she says she's holding down the fort for her grandchildren who are running the lemonade stand but just had to step away to use the bathroom, but she does that for eight hours a day because, again, your moral obligation with the lemonade stand is not only to stop – and as you say, to patronize it, and, and, and never has the word patronize been more appropriate because you are buying a, a nickel worth of lemonade in a Dixie cup and usually tipping um, over and above the 
the the usual twenty yeah. percent. Not not a not a child in sight. Not an indication of a child's involvement. That's what made me think: is it is this the day that we they normally do Alex's lemonade stand? Is this some sort of a fundraiser? There was nothing that indicated that either. So um, I just kept driving and and it's like hmm, that was weird. Let's do an experiment. Okay. We set you up in uh, I'd say West Hartford Center with a lemonade stand. No indication that it's you, no indication that it's for charity. Just just you, a childishly lettered sign, lemonade, 25 cents, and see how many people stop. Well, if it's a childishly lettered sign, lots of people would stop. I only say childish lettered sign because your penmanship is, is, <laughs> is pretty childish bad. lettering. It's Actually, it's worse. It's each one of our children, except maybe our son, has better penmanship than me. Um, yeah, it, it would be. I think it, the experiment would be even better if it was you and an adult lettered sign, like a professionally looking printed sign. Um, anyway, and then that, could, was, I could, that was I my could question. I could profanely bust people's chops when they didn't stop or slow down. We recently had reason to pack for something, for a trip. And um, I'm just curious. Packing for you involves what? Well, I spent much of my professional life with a with a go bag, prepared to go anywhere on a moment's notice. And, and by that I mean I've spent most of my uh, life not having unpacked from the last trip. In my that, go that, bag, is, that kind of is true. You mm, take really long. It'll be weeks before... Even if you've gone just for a night or two, it'll be weeks before you remove everything from the bag you take. But anyway, but, so, but so my go, Tupac. My Tupac. Yes. One of my favorite hip hop artists. Uh, Tupac. What was the question? Like what? What is involved? Say our family's going on a trip. What is involved for you in getting ready to oh. go? What is what is what is involved in you I, packing? I, I I never pack the night before unless it's like a. 6 a.m. flight, then I can see the value of packing the night before. Um, I, I throw a few things in a bag, knowing that if, if I take 10 things, I'll use three things. If I take three things, I'll use two things. I'm almost tempted to pack nothing and see if I can somehow use less than that. You actually have done that in, in the oh, past. I have packed well, nothing. you packed. You just forgot to bring it when right. we were going through. Right. On a vacation, and for like and a week. and I went to I went to TJ Maxx. You did when we arrived, and got stuff that I still wear to yes. this day. Yes. Then this is this is the reason I bring it up because, again, recently I'd said to um, our kids had to pack for something, and I said to our son, "Do you need help packing?" And he scoffed at me and said, "For what? I just have to throw some clothes in a bag." And this is the first year where he's been like that. In previous years. I would help him pack, you know, you need this and this. Let's let's make sure that some of your shirts remotely match a pair of shorts. He doesn't care about any of that. I was of there when you said that and I think his exact quote was all I need is like three pairs of stuff. Yes. Three pairs of stuff. Three pairs how of stuff. How do you stuff. know how do you know if if your stuff is paired or not? And and what is a pair of stuff? I know what a pair of shoes are, a pair of socks, but what is a pair of stuff? In his case I know it means a pair of basketball shorts and a t shirt. Yes, and probably not underwear and, or socks. And those two items can be paired in, in any way possible. So what I said to do is throw a couple of pairs of shorts and a couple of T-shirts into a bag. 
And and when he said that, I was just thinking, uh, he's already living the life of a packing man because like our daughters are, you know, trying to figure out what their outfits are going to be so they can be cute, this, that, and the other thing. But even bigger than that, for me, packing means before I, if, if our whole family is going somewhere, packing starts with unpacking. Like I have to go into the refrigerator. I have to take out anything that might go bad, throw it away, bring trash out to the to the curb. I have to go outside and make sure, you know, if there's an umbrella up that it's down or, or anything that like that, I have to make yeah, sure yeah. Right, the, the, the plants are watered. Like the packing starts with all of this other stuff that doesn't involve just putting clothes in a bag. Like for you, you have to, you have to tear down your lemonade stand. <laughs> yes. For you and our son, packing is like, never more than a 30-minute process, probably never more than a 10-minute process. It means packing pairs of stuff into your bag. Whereas well, you, you have for to, me, you have to it pair involves... Your, you have to pair your stuff first. <laughs> yes. That's a long process. It, 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 for me, it involves all right, making sure there's food for the dogs, making sure there's care for the dogs while we're gone, making sure that like X, Y, Z is all in place. It's a process so that when I finally get to the point where I can exhale and throw clothes in a bag, it's like, oh, you know, all of that work went into this. Then I look over and you, boop, I'm packed. (laughs) I just threw my pairs of stuff in a bag. It's, I was talking to my friend who's taken her family up up to Cape Cod for a week. Same thing. Like her boys, her husband, they just throw their pairs of stuff in a bag. She has to do all of everything but, else but you're, managing the you're, house. You're, you're suggesting the difference between, as you, in your phrase, packing man Pack. versus, versus we'll, we'll call you Ms. Pac-Man, okay? <laughs> so what you're, what, you're, what you're saying is really just an indictment no. of me as saying, we both packed our pairs of stuff, but then I, Ms. Pac-Man, had to take care of the mail and take care of the dogs and take care of the the uh, the the patio umbrella and take care of all that stuff. So um, no, no, it's actually the reverse. I do all that stuff. I save the packing of the clothes. That's like my reward. Oh, now I get to just throw my pairs of stuff in the bag and uh, and relax. But for you, a minute. A- you actually—it's not an indictment. It's not an indictment. But I would like on occasion. For you, I don't even need you to express appreciation. I just need you to acknowledge that packing for you is, oop, I'm done. And packing for me is like at least a day plus because it like, yes. you know, getting getting care you're, for the dogs and stuff takes you're, longer. You're right. It's not an indictment. It's a conviction without trial. <laughs> it's it's we, not. We've, just, we've skipped it's the just, indictment and gone straight to I think, the the, uh, the sentencing phase. I think many people in, in a marriage, and maybe in other marriages, it's it's delegated differently, like maybe the husband or, or, or the wife, or I think one person in the marriage, or two husbands, two wives, whatever the case may be, I think one person probably takes on this the greater load of responsibility. And I think they just would, on occasion, like acknowledgement, like, oh, yeah, you did a lot. Okay, then move on. Just, that's it. You did a lot. <laughs> Thank you. That's let's, all I let's, was looking Let's move on. <laughs> that's all I was looking for. We record this on June 30th, the last day of June, the last day of Pride Month. And um, I've gotten, you know, a lot of, I get emails constantly from teams in the WNBA and throughout the course of the month, different teams have had their Pride game. And um, I don't know how many years the WNBA has been doing this now, um, but 
you know, each team celebrates Pride Month. Um, some teams, when, when we were in a world where there were parades, I think the New York Liberty was the first professional franchise or f- professional team to participate in Gay Pride Parade in New York City. And it just um, got me thinking about how far we have come. And uh, I think it was my first year in the WNBA. We were playing in Washington, D.C., and we had gone to our shoot-around downtown and we were taking a bus back to the hotel and it was only um i don't know not even a mile away it was not very far but at one point our bus stopped and we were stopped in traffic for a long time because of the gay pride parade in washington dc and um but we were like two blocks from the hotel so all the players decided you know we didn't have that much time between shoot around and the game got off got off the bus and had to walk through the pride parade to get to our hotel and um i just remember sue wicks joking around about it she's like you know people are going to probably start taking pictures and see like the entire new york liberty team marching in the gay pride parade not in, marching through the gay yes, pride parade in in washington dc but joking around about it because at that time everything was so hush hush with players in the WNBA. i don't think even sue had come out yet and um she I think it was the following year, the year after that, um, she became the first openly gay professional athlete in in professional sports. Um, But now, you know, teams are celebrating gay pride games and and teams are participating in gay pride parades. And um, and just like the big joke on that day, you know, what if, you know, the picture is taken, the scandal of the New York Liberty are marching in the um, Washington, D.C. gay pride parade. But um Anyway, there's a lot of those moments that happen, and I've talked to them about about them before here on the podcast. But uh, that just like as we celebrate the 25th anniversary of the WNBA, um, that kind of show me in a in a big way how far we as a society have come in the last 25 years. I think you mentioned uh, maybe two years ago uh, having Sue Wicks on the podcast. I know, I know, I know. How, how's it going? It's not going so well. You, you, have you gotten her number yet? <laughs> we we will have her on. She will, and she will be in the upper echelon. No matter how many guests we ever have on this podcast, say we get to a point where we're having guests every week, I know she will be like at the very, very top because she's hysterical and has phenomenal stories. We, we, once we've had a few guests, we will have to create three echelons. <laughs> the upper echelon the middle echelon and the lower yeah. echelon. <laughs> By the way, I wanted to look up echelon. Mm. Uh, a level or rank in an organization, a profession, or society. And the quote they use is the upper echelons of the business world. But doesn't upper echelon always strikes me as it should be the name of like the ritziest suburb of a major American city. You know how they have all these you know, every city has like yes. it's it's you know, that's the that's where the rich people live suburb. Like right, right. Doesn't upper echelon Michigan sound like a like a gross point or something? But like wouldn't the, it have to be like the Oaks at upper echelon? Yeah, well, that, that's where you would live. You would live. You would well once you once you became an empty nester, you would live at the uh, the reserve at upper echelon. But but before that, you'd live in a in a big Tudor mansion in in upper echelon. Ohio or whatever. It definitely has a nicer ring than where do you live? I live in the middle echelon. I, I, <laughs> I live in the lower echelon. I live in I live in lower echelon. <laughs> where we 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 get a lot of flooding. Yeah. <laughs> 
Speaking of flooding, it, it is it is just unbelievably hot here. I mean, unbelievably hot here. I went into a youth basketball game last night and got out of the car, and it was like opening, you know, an oven door. There was a hot breeze, like a dog's breath, just... I mean, it, it, it was unsustainable. I said to myself as we were walking in, this is unsustainable. Then I grabbed the handrail to go up the stairs and and uh, it scorched my hand. So while we were in the gym and while this uh, basketball game, summer league basketball game was air going on. Air conditioned gym, right? Air conditioned gym. But the lights uh, went out for just a second, flickered, then went out, and then came back on. You can see that the power grid is being sorely taxed. And then during the game, I mean, during the game on, along one of the baselines was a net batting cage, and there was a high school baseball team uh, or a, a, a summer league team taking batting practice. So you'd you'd hear the violent aluminum bat on ball uh, smack every every few seconds, and then you know the kids would hit line drives into the net with maybe six feet of clearance between that net and the and the actual baseline. Fortunately, no kids, you know, went were, were driven out of bounds on the baseline and, and went into the net or anything like that. But it was interesting when it, somebody would be at the, at the foul line at that end of the court, uh, you know, there'd be silence and then bang, bing, that distinctive pop of, of, of uh, metal bat on ball. But at one sort of, not tense, it was a meaningless summer league basketball game, but it was a close game. And somebody was shooting uh, crucial free throws near the end when Bang! The loudest uh, reverberation of thunder. You know, when when that thunder is just right on top of you, that, that sort of gun crack and went off. And and I think the kid actually made the free throw. But it was. But then when we went outside, an hour after we went inside, it had rained. The temperature had dropped like fifteen degrees. There was debris on the road as we were driving home. Leaves and small branches and things like that. And we had missed the entire storm. But man, was it necessary. And I think the whole same thing is brewing up today because the weather has gotten so nutty that uh, that something has to alleviate it. This has been my weather on the ones. This Maybe this should be a new segment on the podcast, The Weather. I, um, I'm aware of this because while you were at the game and we were 45 minutes away, that weather front came through here. But the timing was interesting because I was calling a game from home, the New York, um, not the New York, the Washington Mystics were hosting uh, the Connecticut Sun. And we had gone through all of our rehearsals, looked at all the graphics, whatever. It's about um, uh, 20 till 20 minutes to tip. Our producer gives us a little break, you know, just come back, be sitting, sitting down in 10 minutes. So I get up, and that's when the storm was about to come through here. You could hear boom, the lightning, the thunder. And I realized that I had to get something that was out on the deck inside. It couldn't be outside during a storm. So I go outside, and as soon as I did, the skies opened up. It starts pouring. I grab this thing and bring it in, but not before. My shirt gets kind of soaked, my hair. So <laughs> then I go and sit down in my seat, and... um told the producer i said listen just so you know there's a huge thunderstorm coming through so if my power flickers or if i lose if you guys lose me for a stretch that's why but also like when we had done the rehearsal a couple minutes before i looked one way and then when i sat back down (laughs) i've got like water spots on my shirt my hair looks wet so um one of the things that doesn't happen when you call the game from the arena 
Well, I bring all this up just because we saw on TV this morning the average temperatures in Philadelphia and Washington, D.C. since 1970. It's like three degrees hotter yeah. in both of those cities. And in Philadelphia, the case of, I think, in Washington, seven more days per year of temperatures in the 90s. And in Philadelphia, 10 more days per summer of temperatures in the 90s. So it doesn't just seem like it's getting weirder. It's, it is. That's weirder. Shall we get to viewer mail? Yes, let's get to viewer mail. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Our first viewer mail comes, this is to ballandchainpod at gmail.com. And it comes from uh, Jeff in all caps. Hello, Jeff. Uh, Jeff in Minnesota. Uh, hi, Steve and Rebecca. Love the podcast and Steve Stingray and Knight's books. as class of 1984 graduate of rival Richfield, the high school closest to ours in the same year, Rebecca. The books could have been my childhood as well. The Thunderbird, Met Stadium, Chi-Chi's, Bridgman's, Embers, Holiday, Assumption Church, CCD, and so on. Reading the highlights to the family could have been a complete audiobook reading. My brother Kevin, a.k.a. your resident beer guy from Idaho, made me aware of the pod and I quickly caught up and keep up with my completionist status every week. Hoping for T-Wolves luck in tonight's NBA lottery. They did not get that. Could I be the show's resident water park designer come on i think i can say without question that we don't have one and that jeff is it uh water park designer what does what he do you suppose elaborate the, the, well he, he will have to send us uh, more elaboration he's got the job but i would like to know his qualifications did he go to school to study that is it an engineering thing is it a, is it a design is it an architecture about it but still wants to be the resident that it could be we could have an unqualified <laughs> water park designer and we could end up with a water park poorly designed yes when we inevitably open the ball and chain water park all of this has been has been a long are there enough water parks new water parks going in to to have your only job be that of a water park I don't know, designer but this whole podcast has been one long grift to in eventually open a water park a themed water park don't you think well you just talked about how hot it is so there's probably more demand for water parks if you could send swag to the fam would be very appreciative we will send you swag jeff in minnesota thank you for the uh the viewer mail and, and please let us know what um you've got the job but let's find out retroactively what your qualifications are yes Rob in Cleveland writes, uh, Rebecca and Steve, I thought someone would have addressed this question in viewer mail this week and was surprised that the mystery lingered. I worked at McDonald's. The summer I turned 16, so I'll give you the best answer I can. This is regarding, Rebecca, of course, the diced onions that, that so intrigue you. cubed onions. Cubed onions. Yeah. I, I think most dice are cubes. I know some aren't. There are some many-sided dice, probably used in Dungeons and Dragons or something like that. But McDonald's doesn't use them. They use cubed onions, right? They do. That's more specific than diced, right? Yes. Okay, let's get back to, to uh, Rob in Cleveland's email. Uh, I'll give you the best answer I can. Unfortunately, I can't answer how the onions get chopped so small because they arrive that way. In fact, they come dehydrated, packaged in a big bag, and are rehydrated by soaking them in water. So when Rebecca says that she's never seen onions chopped that small, she's just been looking in the wrong aisle. Check the spice aisle for minced onion. Minced I've had, onion. I, I, we have minced onion here. Minced. But you, you rehydrate it well, well, by soaking it in water. 
well, dehydrated onion, you rehydrate, presumably by soaking in water or any maybe maybe Gatorade or some kind of electrolytic. See, I, I yes, the the minced onion. I, I, you think that's a red? You think onion. you think that's different you from think, the dehydrated onion? You think minced onion is a red herring? No, I don't. I don't. I see. Or why or, he's... or I, I've had I've had minced herring with red onion, but you think minced onion is a red herring? Is it my turn? I want I, I want I want to let that one just hang out there for a little longer for just for do. awkwardness. I know. Um, no, I, I've seen minced onions, so I know that like spice in the spice aisle. I know that like whatever that is, dried onion or whatever. I know I know that can be that small. I did not know what I thought was actual onion, but this is interesting. So they're dehydrated. They come in a bag. They are soaked in water to rehydrate them. And then they're thrown on your burger. Evidently. Mm. Are you as hungry as I am now? You know what? I, I, there's the saying, uh, the famous adage, you don't want to know how onions are minced. <laughs> right? Does he elaborate any is? further? No. Does he, he, does not, he does not elaborate further. But I don't know that it requires further. This is the viewer mail uh, week where we require further elaboration. We're just being teased with, with Jeff's water park design qualifications, and Rob's uh, onion information. Hi, Steve with a V, writes uh, Susie with a Z-Y. Hello. She, oh, don't say hello. She doesn't say hello to you. She says, hi, Steve with a V. I recognize Susie from previous correspondence, so I'm okay. going to say hello, okay. even if she doesn't say hello to me. It's kind of like New England. If I'm running along the path and... I pass someone, even if they don't say hello to me, I'm going to say hello to them. Uh, are you two having a beef right now? We're not. Okay. Uh, hi, Steve with a V. I hope this finds you well. I recently heard my email on the podcast and Rebecca's request that I maintain a resident list on behalf of the podcast. Sorry for the delay in responding. I think I'm about a week behind now because I've been traveling. Tell Rebecca I'd be happy to keep a resident list. What? I presume we're talking about local Connecticut residents like Matt, the resident West Hartford resident, correct? Correct. Or now... Um we have a we well, we haven't confirmed him officially, but we'll have a resident water park. No, 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 no. You you misunderstand what Susie said. She says, oh. "I presume we're talking about local Connecticut residents like Matt, the resident West Hartford resident." Correct? Question mark. Oh no, we're talking about the resident. That would require listening to every single podcast. Right. Well, she said she was listening to them all. Well, she, she was, but she, she was wasn't writing down in... the resident. Oh, well, well uh, okay. I have completed about 40 of the early episodes in order besides the recent one I've been listening to in real-time release. I have plenty to go, and I'm happy to keep the list as I move forward toward completion. See? Well, I stand corrected. I think I started about a month ago. Rebecca is correct. I'm early in the marathon. It will probably be toward the end of the summer before I finish and catch up in full. I can then go back and listen to you at chipmunk speed on the early episodes I've already heard and backtrack to catch anyone I've missed. I'll keep you apprised of my progress. Uh, hopefully, I will have compiled a nice index by the end. Tell Rebecca I said hi. Hello, Susie. So she did say hi to you. I'm sorry. So she stayed up for the end. Have a great summer. How about that? Cheers, she, Susie. She's already gotten up to 40. We got a lot of residents. <laughs> I th I've said since the beginning that we might need to be a little stricter. No, 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 no. With... no I, th I, think, I think we might have been too strict. <laughs> have we rejected anybody? I don't think we have. Imagine that being rejected as a resident something or other here at this stage of the game. Holly uh, writes, hell, is her greeting. 
I think she may have left the O off, or perhaps, perhaps uh, that's her standard greeting. Perhaps. Hell, writes Holly, I am nowhere near a completionist yet, so not sure if I am mixing up the order of the episodes, but just wondering if the mysterious black shorts you recently laundered and put in each other's bins in episode 170 were the plumbers. (laughs) (laughs) The one who came to fix your dishwasher and shower situation, and not to mention our sink in that bathroom, Rebecca. Maybe he keeps them on hand in case he has to take care of very flooded areas in people's houses. Just a thought, maybe he is missing them. Best regards, new listener, Holly in Minnesota. Holly, that's a brilliant observation. Very interesting. And so let me ask Rebecca. Rebecca, are those the plumber's shorts I found in the bathroom? I don't think so because the plumber always wears like sort of overalls or work clothes. So, um, and I don't think, I don't know this for sure, but I don't think he keeps a spare pair of shorts in his bag. But if you're a plumber, why not? You would think you would have a spare um, stuff, outfit stuff somewhere because you're going to get wet a lot, right? But um, I don't think they're his. Spare pair of stuff. At this point, it would probably be too awkward to... Do we still have those shorts? We do. They're in my locker in the mudroom. Hmm. I don't know how they ended up there, but they seem to they seem to be pursuing me. Hmm. The plumber's shorts, <laughs> as they will now forever be called. That's totally a paperback novel on one of the revolving carousels Completely. at CBS. Uh, Bob in North Carolina writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, well, mostly Steve, but I want to be polite. Given your love of baseball cards, how did you not draw the assignment to write about the 1952 Topps Mantle in the July issue of Sports Illustrated? Is it because your love of cards is less about the monetary value and more about 70s-era cards with esoteric biographies and quirky caricatures? Bob, uh, it's it's incredible that you write that email. Uh, I was asked if I would like to write about the 1952 Mickey Mantle card that sold for 3 or $5 million, some ridiculous amount of money, and... Uh, and for the very reason you describe, I did not want to, because I it did not seem to me that this card had any value beyond its investment uh, quality. I know all about the card. I've seen the card a million times. Uh, I didn't feel like uh, my interest in the card was had anything to do with the monetary value of the baseball card. The baseball card didn't become interesting as soon as it sold for $5 million to me. So that's why. But fascinating that you picked up on that. I don't know why I'm just, this is just now sinking in that <laughs> you're sitting here wearing pajama bottoms that I got for you that say danger, harmful fumes, a completely mismatched shirt, which whatever, that's not the what I'm getting to. <laughs> but you're wearing a fedora. I'm not wearing a fedora. What is that? It's, it's just like a... Uh... It's a hat that when I covered... It's a fedora without a feather. It's a, uh, what's it called? It's from the Gurren Brothers, uh, bold hat makers since 1895. And there's a story behind this hat, or there's a story under the hat. But uh, this, the, I know the, there's a story behind no, the hat. You're I'm not interested in it. I'm not. Oh. The, I'm, I'm interested in the story of... Like, I, bought I, it, I understand I'll, why I'll, you're wearing your pair okay. of stuff. I'll, I'll tell, I'll but tell the you. Hat. I'll tell you. I, I, this hat that I got in Las Vegas when I went out as a bald man to the desert to cover the uh, uh, Mayweather-Pacquiao fight several years ago now. Um, 
I, I came downstairs in my PJs, barefoot, uh, in my pair of stuff. And our youngest asked if I could play basketball with her in the driveway. So we did. I went out, but I said, I have to put shoes on. So I put these shoes on, these low burgundy Chuck Taylors. And then when I went out there, it was blazingly hot, as we've mentioned. And so I went inside to put a hat on. And there was no baseball hat. And it's hard to shoot jumpers in a baseball hat. So I put this thing on that was also in my locker. Uh, I like it. You don't? No, I do. It's 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 just it's, an it's, it's an eclectic outfit. It is an eclectic outfit. But but the hat, I guess. The hat was the The hat is the I'm most like, ridiculous aspect, even more so than the danger as we sit inside, harmful fumes. As we sit inside recording a podcast, the fedora with the PJs and the sun bleached Chuck yeah. Taylors is what's got me. I would describe this white hat is white. It's more of a sort of a Panama it's, it's, it should have a cigar and, a, and I, I should be in a short-sleeved shirt with buttons on it in, in Miami. It's a hat that, uh, it's a Raymond Reddington hat from The Blacklist. I, I don't, so for I don't, people I don't who know your reference. The Blacklist, um, that's the kind of hat it is. Is that, is that uh, played by? Um, that's James Spader. That's James Spader. Oh, yes. I'll take that as a compliment. Then. It is a compliment. Uh, I, I I, the other night I heard the dulcet tones of James Spader coming from your iPad, and I, I, you were tuning me out, but I was listening to the uh, him chew over the dialogue of the Blacklist. I've never seen the show, but love James Spader from Boston Legal, uh, and I'm hoping it, that it's a great show. It's the only show that's on right now that I watch and that I'm like actually caught up on. Uh, finally, Dr. Gary Siegel, who we again we we hope we're not burdening. I'm, the, I'm feeling like we probably are. Like, if you're Dr. Gary Siegel, you're probably thinking every week that you have to. Even if you have nothing that you really want to say, you probably feel like you have to send something in because you're our cleanup hitter. If, you, if you're Dr. Gary Siegel, your priorities are in this order. Mrs. Dr. Gary Siegel, viewer mail, delivering babies. What, where, does his own, where do his own grandchildren fit in there? Well, they're definitely in the upper echelon. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not sure exactly where. But let's get to Dr. Siegel, shall we? We shall. Dear Rebecca and Steve, I hope that you have had a nice week and that the bored children are not too much of a burden for you. I've just wiped the metaphorical egg off my face. As in a prior correspondence, I alluded to peddling, D-D-L-I-N-G, not peddling, P-E-D-A-L-I-N-G. Rest assured that I have not sold my bicycle, but that I do appreciate Steve's keen eye as he caught this error on the fly. He hasn't sold his bicycle. He's peddling it, but he's not peddling it. Do you understand, Rebecca? I do. Okay. As of last week's podcast, no one had solved the mystery of the tiny onions on McDonald's hamburgers. However, relying on my training as a scientist, I used Google to find the explanation from no one less than Kat Kogel, former marketing rep and assistant manager at McDonald's 1999 to 2008. This sounds unimpeachable, Rebecca. It does. Who provided the explanation regarding the use of dehydrated onions in the link pasted below. Dehydrated onions. This is a this is a, a confirmation yes. of 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 our our guy in Cleveland, if, Robin if, Cleveland. If we need on our podcast what our oldest needs in her AP class is a second source, then we can confirm. So there is a link. Perhaps I'll save it for next week. What are those little onions of McDonald's hamburgers? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca, since you spoke of how doctors' offices function in terms of waiting rooms and how you liked waiting for appointments in the car during COVID-19, the pandemic, I thought it was wise to give you some insight into the mobile phone question, as well as why you don't see doctors walk through their own waiting rooms, best approached as always in list form. One, uh, before we ha- all had mobile phones, mine dates back to 1987 with a mounted car phone, we had three landlines in our home. Two were for talking, one for the children, one for the adults, and the third line was for use was for use for outgoing calls to patients, as well as for facsimile transmissions, facsimile transmissions. Mm. Uh, faxes, I believe. Yes. 
Even today, due to HIPAA requirements, outdated 90s technology, fax machines are still used in many medical situations, as encrypted email must be difficult and or expensive for many practices to use. In the past, patients might have captured via caller ID my fax number, but alas, if they called it at any time of the day or night, they got a fax tone. These days, I don't need to use a home fax. Medical records are electronic, so we're down to the landline that comes with gasp cable and no fax machine line. Okay, you follow that, Rebecca? I'm following it, yes. Two, moving on to the last 15 years or so, my attempts to keep my cell phone number private using caller ID blocking didn't work, as many people would not accept calls from blocked callers, so I unblocked my phone. Thus, I simply gave up, and while I didn't give out my cell number readily, many women have the number, and like you, they have been tremendously respectful of having the number, rarely using it for a call or a text. Simply put, most women calling use their good common sense and follow her instructions to simply call the office number day or night and follow the instructions that pertain to her situation, i.e. prescription refill, question, labor, etc. However, I have noticed that the few... How about that? Press three, Rebecca, if you're in labor. <laughs> Sounds about right. However, I have noticed that the few who text have about a 50% rate of not identifying themselves by name, as I guess that they have assumed that I have their mobile number saved as contacts in my phone, which I do not. Thus, I've typed, hey, great to hear from you. Who is this, please? More than a few times in my life. Not new phone, who dis? Who dis? <laughs> How great would it be if any time one of Dr. Siegel's patients texted him? Dr. Siegel, I'm, I'm in labor right now. Uh, I, I, I'm giving birth in a bathtub. And he responds... New phone. Who dis? <laughs> Three. Now we're getting to the lower echelon of his questions. Most doctor's offices that I've seen have a private or back door through which the doctor and staff come and go. Since I'm chronically late and sincere thanks to the kind women who wait too long to see me, for various reasons, mainly my own chattiness, I've avoided walking through or going into the waiting room for fear of having objects thrown at me. That said, in more recent years, when a woman during a visit mentions that her child, husband, mother, loved one, whom I know is with them, and in the waiting room, I've typically gone out to say hello while the patient is at the checkout station. Fortunately, no one waiting has rocks, rotten tomatoes, etc. at the ready, so I've been lucky. If there are other physicians or advanced practice practitioners, nurse practitioners, certified nurse midwives, and physician's assistants who are viewers, perhaps they can shed some light on these discussions as well. Presumably, he wants a, a certified nurse midwife to shed light on the minced onion situation at McDonald's. <laughs> All the best. Gary with two R's. Dr. Siegel, as always, thank you. We appreciate your uh, your viewer Insight. mails, your it's, insights. It's everything. And, his uh, humor. His humor and, and especially his, uh, his future use of new phone. <laughs> Who dis? On that note, Denny, how many times do you think Denny's gotten a new phone who dis oh, frequently. or sent one out actually and how many More times likely. do you think denny has has used the phrase you know many women have my have my cell number I but will. anyway it, only when he's spitting the facts that's right uh, a fax exactly the fax machine on that note tom, tom dick hari play us out Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in the cuckoo nest. 
daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and ambiguous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.